his van electric ghost and we're live on the air with roberta rosa for the first time welcome to the fam electric ghost podcast how are you doing today thank you so much i'm doing great and you how are you I'm doing well. Uh, I want to let people know that we are a featured podcast on Newsly. You can see the icon up there. It says, listen on Newsly. Later tonight, the audio-only version of the podcast will be on Newsly. If you want to check that out on that platform, you can use the coupon code of GHOST and listen to that for 30 days for free on that platform if you choose to check it out. We also have your website, www.fillthevoid.club forward slash en up on uh you know up on the screen and that will be fully clickable when we're published so people can check out that url and i want to let people know tonight we are actually at episode 1024 of the podcast and today we're going to discuss um challenges navigating a default unhealthy world and empowering individuals to break free from societal norms which is a little bit of what you said i couldn't the whole thing <laughs> but there was a there was a statement on your pod match i wanted mm-hmm. to put as much as it i could and um yeah maybe tell the folks a little bit about your background maybe give us a, a brief story about like who you are yes of course so um basically it all starts i was born in buenos aires in argentina um right now i'm 29 years old and i started my life well when i was 11 more or less i started playing field hockey in my country and then it turned out the years went by and i started like getting really good at it and finally i ended up playing in the national team of field hockey for argentina so i had like basically um many difficulties in continuing my high school for example i had to quit high school two years prior finishing because i had to dedicate my life to training every day i had to train in the morning and in the afternoon four hours in the morning four hours in the afternoon every day except sundays that was the only day that i didn't train so imagine being a girl of 18 years old uh training every day with girls that are you know 30 years old 35 it's like a like more than 10 years difference you know so basically i I started like living a life that wasn't real for the age that i had like i didn't go to school for months and then suddenly i went one day to say hi to the professors and to my friends and they were like hi robert it's been so long you know and every every one of my friends were going to school they were going out they were going to parties they were having boyfriends girlfriends you know but the only thing I could care about and do was play the sports. So basically uh, that continued for two years more or less until I got really tired of the pressure. Uh, The life that I had to sustain was very difficult. Um, I had to like keep up with certain like expectations that weren't even real for my age, you know, even like body wise. So, I went to school and I compared myself with other girls and all the other girls were, were like normal for 18 years old, but I had like double the, the muscle, double the size. So it was like, I felt weird, you know? Yeah, because you're uh, a professional, 
professional athlete yes. and everybody else was just like a, a regular, you know, teenage yes. kid. Yeah. And you um, had gotten into this world where you kind of leaped into it because you had the ability, but that kind of left you like not having a childhood or having that teenage, you know, high school experience because you're, you're jumping to a, like what you would do in your mid twenties. Yes. Exactly. Way before you probably should have been doing it, maybe prepared to do it. Exactly. And so basically, two years went by, and I was like, you know, the life of an athlete has has an end. At a certain point, your body like cannot keep up, and you just have to mm -hmm. quit. You know. So I was like, what am I gonna do when I won't be able to run anymore as fast? You know, what what am I gonna do in my life? So basically, I said like. I have to quit and maybe start studying. You know, I really liked to be a creative and design. So I was like, I'm going to quit this life and I'm going to start, I'm going to go into university and start studying graphic design and create a career for myself, you know? Um, and so what happened is when I decided to quit field hockey, the fir first of all, that was like my passion. The only thing I knew how to do in life was play the sport, imagine. So I quit it and I was basically left in like a cliff, like with without knowing what to do, even though I had to study, I knew the path, you know, what society tells you to do. It's like you have to study, you have to get a job, whatever. But I was like, what do I do? You know, I felt completely empty, literally empty, like no passion for pursuing, senseless, without anything. And that's when it like it all started. Um, that's why I say that unhealthy default society, you know, because all it's like the society tells you, oh, you're feeling pain, you're feeling sad. Come on, have a drink, go out with your friends, go mm -hmm. to the party, go to the club, you know. So basically all the energy that I used to put in the sports, I started putting all my energy into going out, partying with my friends, doing all the things that I didn't have time to do before. And that brought me like many problems in every sense, you know, like substance mm -hmm. abuse. I got, I had eating disorders because also like body image, even for women, it's difficult. I, I looked at myself and compared with the other girls and I didn't like what I see, what I saw. So I started having um, all types of eating disorders. I felt pain every day because of quitting field hockey and that pain that I had inside, I was like trying to numb it by also eating, like binge eating, mm. uh, going out, socializing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's why I, I call this like filling the void. I was basically filling the void every day with different, uh, by different ways, you know? Yeah, it went from, it seems like you went from one extreme of being like a professional athlete. Yes that was highly dis disciplined. And then, mm -hmm. you know, that's a very extreme level of professionalism, right? So if you don't exactly. have a balance, like, like like a lot of times in life, it's about balance. Like, so even exactly. though like, I'm a musician, I'm a musician, right? I could be like totally just doing that, but I like doing other things. So like, exactly. so if, if, if you become, if, so if one thing falls that way, then you don't have anything. And so because exactly. if you go to too many extremes, it's almost like they needed to, to allow you to have space 
for other things. But yes, the, I exactly. guess the rigor of the sport didn't give you that room. And so then exactly. once you left it, you were like on the cliff, like you said, you didn't have a way to step down. Nobody kind of stepped you down from that extreme. And so you, you would probably want to gravitate toward feeling some aspect of that, which must have been mm -hmm. very powerful to feel that and then go to nothing. Then I can see why you could fall into substance abuse or other things or eating disorders because it's going from one thing to the next. If you're a, a musician, you're on stage in front of like a 10,000 people. And then suddenly exactly. you're in a bus or yes. you're in an apartment. It's like, it's, it's yes. very, like you suddenly you're like, that's why they fall. We fall into substance abuse too, because we're looking for that energy. Exactly. It might only be on for two, two hours out of the day. And then the rest of the day, there's none, none of that. So exactly. how do you deal with that? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was like, you know, normal life sucks. Like you have to learn. I had to learn how to focus on the little things to even feel something because I was like an extreme sensation seeker i only i was seeking extreme feelings constantly because of the high success like that like you were explaining mm -hmm. um to feel alive i needed those extreme sensations same feeling of like entering the stadium with like a, like millions of people shouting you know what i mean i was like yeah dopamine yeah. seeker in every sense in food in sex in drugs in alcohol socializing and and yeah, that brought me all the problems. I was like a rebel. Uh, I was like even addicted to to rebellion against the society. I was also oh, yeah, like yeah. in a lot of anger. <laughs> I was also in a lot of anger. Yeah. Um, a lot of artists were in the same kind of zone. <laughs> like a lot of times as artists, yeah. we're rebelling against like everything, right? Mm -hmm. to, to, to show that there could be this like a different lifestyle, which is like the not the nine to five corporate world if you're an artist yes. it's a totally yes. different thing you're like you're you're living from like 12 o'clock at night to like six in the morning they have a totally mm -hmm. different schedule like you're, exactly. you're in that different world and exactly. so like how do you deal with other people when you're used to that kind of different world it's mm -hmm. hard it's hard to kind of get back yeah. down from that yeah and then yeah i was like I had such a huge void that I couldn't even look at it in the eyes. As strong as I was playing the sports, I was very weak in face, facing my own demons. That's the hardest part, you know? And I also was very afraid of mm. being a failure. I was afraid of being a failure and having like, I'm being, I was frustrated. I felt as if I had failed my, my own self in what I thought that was going to be my life, you know? Um, and also like even this default unhealthy society that we live in, they teach us to function in the system, but at what cost you have to function, right? That's the question that I have all the time. Um, I was like, yeah, it's hard. To, I had, it's hard to be happy. It's hard to have that happy balance. Like, mm -hmm. like if, like if you're told that they, you know, everything is like, you know, on an extreme level. Like if you have to have that dedication to be an yeah. athlete or to be a high performing musician or an, an artist or, you know, in the theater or movies, like you, the problem is, is like you have these like Zenith moments and then everything drops down from there. Yeah. And so yeah. You find like with a lot of people in those kind of situations, they have a hard time dealing outside of the Zenith moment. Like that, yes. the moment that you're in front of all that big crowd in the stadium 
And then the rest of the day is not like that. So exactly. how do you deal with that? And then how do you deal with like an imposter syndrome where you don't feel like you're like you deserve it, where or you don't feel like you're 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 measuring up and you're trying to have, be so perfect. And the thing is, no one can be, can be perfect. And it's like yes. accepting that you it, it, you know everything's like a process, and that every day is going to be that zenith moment. That's hard to deal with if you have that kind of personality where you want perfection, yeah. then you fail. How do you deal with the failure? How do you understand that failure is actually part of life? Exactly. And even um, like my generation doesn't tolerate frustration. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't tolerate being frustrated because of quitting the only thing that I knew how to do. Even being a perfectionist is a way of filling the void. It even happens to me currently. Sometimes I get into this perfectionist mode where I feel so great that I wake up early, I go to the gym, I eat so healthy all week, I'm like the perfect girl. And that makes me feel so good that it's like a way of covering, you know, any pain mm -hmm. or bad emotions that we have inside. So it's a very tricky thing, the perfectionism. Um, and yes, with, with this feeling the void, perfectionism or whatever way you have, it's a way of numbing yourself. So then in my life, I had to literally relearn how to function again in the normal in the normal society, you know, like how to register and detect my own feelings, then how to communicate them and then caring about other people's being empathetic and compassionate with the ones around me, you know, um, because there's a point that you reach where you are so numb that then you forget how to even love yourself and the people around you. Yeah, it's like you have to love. It's like this. It's like an old story, mm -hmm. but before you can love anybody else, you gotta love yourself. Yes. Before you can be em empathetic uh, with other people, you have to be empathetic for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so there's a you know if you're a person that wants to be perfect, I run it with uh, musicians, where yes. you know they they go and they they spend like a hundred you know they spend they take a hundred takes on one song, right? Yes. Trying to make it perfect. And as a producer, I'll tell them like you know what take number three is has some errors in it but it's very powerful and it's vulnerable and it's great and there's nothing you're doing in take you know number four to 99 that's any better than what you did in the first three and getting mm -hmm. people to accept the vulnerability of like of sometimes something that's imperfect because a lot of time with with art and in life it, it like they, that thing that's actually like honest and vulnerable and point in time and you're not trying to correct it that's what life is it's like that is that moment you live in that moment and that's yeah. what it is and you, you let it go and you accept it but it's, a lot of times it's hard for people to accept that kind of imperfection of the moment yeah but it's actually powerful. very it's very powerful and once you accept yeah. it and you start to live with it he said, well, there actually was nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it's the most powerful. The most powerful thought is this in life. It's literally to find stillness in the impermanence or to find like calmness in the impermanence because life, it's a constant change. So if we are constantly feeling uncomfortable with the changes and, and try to numb ourselves, in reality, we're just escaping constantly while 
the key lies in connecting and being able to accept the changes, the ups and the downs, and being able to feel comfortable in the uncomfortableness. You know? Yeah. And get the whole thing about being an artist, right? Most of the time, the, the, the work we create, it comes from pain. Yes. Most of the creative people I'm around, if they're super happy, their work isn't actually is as impactful as when mm -hmm. they take the painful moments and turn it into art. Whether you're a painter or an actor, musician, a photographer, any kind of form of art, you know, what happens is like we are able to have, um, you know, like basically like this flow to the universe where we, I can like receive and I, you know, it's inside and it's outside and I can channel what's around and I can channel the what's in and what's out. And I can actually empathize with other people and create moments that can connect mm -hmm. by being vulnerable and the vulnerability, it can hurt you because what happens is somebody could say they hate what you did. Right. And then that yeah. hurts because you're giving something that's very personal. And the thing, the way you get around it is it's like, you know what? They, they, they can have that, but that doesn't hurt. That doesn't really affect me. That's their opinion. I can still move forward. You know, I, I don't have to like be dependent on what they say. I, exactly. I can still move forward and not have. To. Yeah. And that's hard to do because a lot of people, as soon as they get the bad feedback, they're like done. Exactly. You know, I know tons of people that, that just stop as yeah. soon as they get the, the, the feedback is like, well, I'm not, I don't belong there. You know. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's what happens in our generation a lot. Like I was saying, like nobody tolerates frustration in any way, in any way. Uh, even like when somebody's in pain, it's like the easy way to deal with it is blaming others. So taking the blame and putting it on something external, that's what it's easy. You know, in my life, I was blaming my parents, for example, constantly. I was blaming my parents and I lived in anger towards them for like most most of my life, you know, and anger is such a toxic emotion that we have inside that only takes us in cycles to create more and more anger. Um, so I think the most important, first of all, is to like, it's relearning the relationship with yourself, how to detect your emotions and how to vocalize them. That's a that's like a certain type of medicine, vocalizing our internal emotions. And, and from relearning the relationship with yourself, you are able to establish new relationship and better relationship with others. Uh, personally, myself, I did, I started doing therapy and then um, that really helped me in the way to like, go deep in, in the root to see the roots of my traumas and the things that I carried in through my life. But then uh, it wasn't until I discovered coaching that I was able to fully connect with my emotions, my spirit and my physical body to, to change my lifestyle. And then I became a coach myself. <laughs> um, but also like we were talking about before. Yeah, I think you know? what happens, like... Yeah. We, Tell me. But what I was trying to say, I think what happens is, like, you become a coach because then you can take the lessons that you learned, right, and then you feel, like, the empathy. Because you felt, mm -hmm. you know, you feel empathy for yourself, so then you can feel the empathy for other people. 
And then yes. you can take the lessons that you learned and then listen to other people and then apply, you know, individually, everybody has a different story, but I think that's the root to it. It's creative. Mm -hmm. That is the creative capability of actually be listening to what is being said and then being able to, you know, process like ideas around how do we resolve this? How do you know, how does somebody come to terms with their imposter syndrome or come to terms with their, like their, their, their negative feelings about their self? How do you deal with that? And if you address it in the mirror, then yes. you can, you can see the parallels with everybody else. And then becomes like this journey. And I think it's very creative what people do in coaching or, you know, life coaches and mentors is because you're using your, your, your whole, like the holistic method of like mm -hmm. everything that's affecting you, like all the legs, the exactly. physical, the mental, the spiritual and, and figuring it out. Yes. Exactly. And um, a very important concept that I want to say, it's also when I felt lost in life, you know, everyone says like, you have to find a purpose, you have to find like your sense and having a direction in life is very important. But like purpose is such a big word, you know, and in my opinion, it's not that you have to find, you don't have to find anything. You don't have to find your purpose. You have to like create that, that you want. You got to create it yourself. And it's a process and processes takes, takes time. But people in current times are so impatient, even myself, I am very impatient, that we don't want to <laughs> even go through any processes. We're just focusing on the outcomes and on the on the goals that we have, and that's not going to take us anywhere. We are we need to be able to concentrate in the in the processes and the and the little things that that are going to take us to what we want, you know. Um, but that's why I created my project fill the void in a way to illustrate all these ways that we humans fill the void in this world by creating different for example pills that represent different ways we fill the void for example i created a pill that's full of donuts and represents the way we fill the void with food i created another pill that is filled with shopping things because also a way to fill the void is going to the shopping mall and getting purchasing a new dress you know whatever so i created all these different ways to fill the void in like pharmaceutical products i also created all these are my illustrations because as i was a designer mm -hmm. and then i i i became a coach i tried to fuse all my skills into one and another another fun um illustration i made these are all 3d animations another one i did is called the void i'm in because that's like in the fill, filling the void world the void i mean is like the ultimate anesthesia that you take when you just want to numb yourself so it's like through parody i wanted to represent all these ways that we humans numb ourselves to create like a certain uh, awareness and to become like an emotional activist towards advocating, towards connecting instead of injecting, towards mm -hmm. feeling emotions instead of feeling, you know, ourselves up with things. Well, a lot of times we try to cut the emotion away, you know, you're trying to numb it and, um, you know, push it down. And uh, the one thing I like about art therapy 
it's interesting because you you took you took um the idea of art to connect with what you're doing with your coaching is like art therapy like a lot of people feel like they can't be artists because you have to be Hemingway you got to be yes. Monet you got to be Shakespeare you got to they think they you have to be this high level person and my whole idea is kind of like the, the punk aesthetic was like if the punk aesthetic was when you know punk bands came around they didn't have to have perfect perfect voice right mm -hmm. they didn't have to have perfect pitch they didn't have to play the guitar as well as Jimi Hendrix yeah you could just show that you you had heart you had emotion and you know so you had bands like the Sex Pistols and the Clash and the Ramones the whole idea of it was that all they, you as a, a regular person, you could actually become a musician. You didn't mm -hmm. have to be trained that you can take your emotion and it's valid. And the same way with like art therapy, like you can, don't have to be a painter to paint. You could yeah. use, get that paint, but get the pastel, would do whatever you're going to do and just feel, fill that void with like, take those emotions and put it on the page. Cause that's better than taking a drink. It's better than injecting, taking a pill you can take your emotions and turn it into photography or art or something with the computer, anything you do, crochet, whatever, you, you can take that and turn it into something where it's more positive rather exactly. than negative effect on your whole, your spirit or your body. Yeah. And the word you even said, the word validate, validation, it's so important because what I had to unlearn in my life was that validation doesn't come from any external achievements like be, me coming from a professional sport the only thing they teach you is or you're a winner or you're a loser if you score a goal you're the best if you don't do the good pass you're the worst so basically i only point. thought yeah, yeah I, I thought the like i was valid as a person only because of my external achievements because i went to university or because i had my master's degree but that's not true. We need to concentrate and know that we are who we are and we are valid just because we're humans on this earth. We don't need to do anything. Like just because of being alive, that's the only thing we need. And that, that's the truth. But like in the world we live in, it's very difficult to be able to think like this. Yeah. Well, everybody wants to see your, your credential, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. even as musicians. And I, I'm a self... I'm a self-taught musician. So some musicians, like, they want to know you went to Berkeley. They want to know you went to the conservatory. They want to know that you got a contract with a major label. So they don't consider if you're if you're not in that, like if you're in the underground. Yeah, or you came up exactly. and you're self-taught. They're like, oh, it's like, I don't know. It's like, a whole, it's like, but it's like, everybody is valid. Like, I go back and it's like, you know, the, the original blues people, they didn't go to Berkeley. You know, the original guys who wrote blues. They weren't, mm -hmm. going, they didn't go to art school. They couldn't go to school, but they created a genre and they were like some of the best musicians ever. And they couldn't read and they weren't taught theory, but they had heart and soul and their, and their people study their work in these so-called institutions. But it's like, they didn't go to them. Most of the great musicians didn't even go to like big colleges. Yeah, They just exactly. were self-taught. They're self-taught. And so it's like the idea, it's like you can just want to do it. And I've mm -hmm. met tons of people who are artists. It's just like, I want to paint. So I went and got the brush. I went and got the, 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 all the tools. And I just started doing it. And you find that sometimes the person that just has that drive and just yeah. feels good enough that they can do it. And it yeah. really is about your, your inner feelings. Like that, that will actually, you know, be 
more beneficial than any education is if you have that drive, you go to the library and you go pick up the the books and you pick up the tools. You you can teach yourself anything. Yeah. And you don't have exactly. you know, so it's just a matter of like do you have the belief to do exactly. it? Exactly. Exactly. You need to have the belief and you need to go step by step to create whatever you want to create. And the good thing is that in life, in reality, there's no rules. We can do whatever we want. We we have to let our creativity and our minds fly, you know, uh, even though it's difficult. Um, so another important um, concept I want to talk about is that as we were talking, to, to learn to deal with our emotions, it means externalizing them, you know, and learning new communication skills and how to talk to others. Um, and I had, and you have to be very, I had to be very aware of the vocabulary, even that we utilize in our heads, how we talk to ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Um, and the reality is that we come into this world alone and we die alone. So if we have like our brains constantly judging and talking shit to ourselves, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a constant torture, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have to be non-judgmental even toward yourself, probably first. Because mm -hmm. I think yeah. the most people stop themselves. I've seen people stop themselves, you know, from even getting into the gallery, getting on stage, yeah. even a public speaker. Like they, they, they stop, you know, somebody who they never did it until finally they broke through that moment. And then mm -hmm. they found out they gave themselves permission to do it. There was nobody stopping them but themselves. Yeah. And so exactly. it's like that judgmental voice in your head that says, well, I don't belong on the stage. Yes. Well, I don't belong in the gallery or I don't belong like, you know, in this, in this, in this class, because I, I, I can't make it. But like, if you push yourself mm -hmm. to, to believe in yourself and it's like, it, yes. it, it doesn't have to happen overnight. The thing, like you said, the problem today, we have instant gratification. It has to happen so quick with people don't understand. It's like there's no overnight sensation. Almost exactly. all the people you think are overnight sensations probably took five or 10 years to get there. Right. Exactly. And so they, they, they just, you know, they want to market that it happened overnight, but yeah. nothing happens overnight. <laughs> nothing. And even there's a good example to this because, you know, when you want to break a rock with a, Imagine you want to break a rock with a, with a stick. You have to hit the rock many, many, many times. And the rock will only like crack from one instant to the other after hitting the rock for like a thousand times, right? That's what happens when you want to achieve something or when, when you want to change a habit or whatever you want to do. You just have to keep on doing the same thing over and over again until the real change happens because of the stacking, the amount of stacking you did for so long, suddenly there's a click and all that effort that you put, suddenly you see the results, you know. Um, also a good technique for externalizing emotions and everything that we're talking about. And this, uh, there's another coach, a very important coach for me that's called Nora Mosenko. And she taught me this concept about emotional compost. So uh, the emotional compost is literally grabbing a pen 
and vomiting everything that you have inside in a in a um, in a notebook whatever it comes mm -hmm. no matter no matter what the order what it is um and this action is literally like taking medicine for the heart uh it makes you yeah. feel like so much better and relieved um she also taught me that very important concept that the brain also um it's like a sewer system you know and the accepts the acceptance is the sewer system it's not curing anything we don't have to cure anything like we don't have to cure addiction it's accepting that's the important word um and mm -hmm. she also taught me how the brain is dysfunctional sometimes and makes everything difficult because there's a there's two intelligence that we possess the intelligence in the brain and the intelligence in the heart and sometimes we forget that we have an intelligence in the heart but it's it's something that we can utilize we don't only have to think with the brain um yeah. what what comes from the heart is like the feelings and we have to feel with the body that's how you feel with the heart not thinking about what we're feeling you see the difference um yeah i i think what, what i like to do um with my art a lot of times is mm -hmm. i'm a big believer in like the flow state and yes. stream of consciousness which is kind of like like you said open up the the book and just start writing like as an artist like you could kind of agonize over every note or you could just put the recorder on and just start playing the piano i'm a piano player so a lot of times i was like i find that like i could sit around trying to arrange something but if I just hit the play, um, the record button and say, I'm going to play for like a half hour and I'm not going to start and stop. I'm just going to play right through. I'm going to yeah. play right through. And yeah. what I find is that if I go back and listen, there's really good stuff in that half hour. Mm -hmm. And I didn't start and stop. And then I, I go back and say, you know, there's a lot of good stuff I can use here. And it's um, it's very, very authentic. And it might not be perfect, but sometimes I've been able to take that kind of stream of consciousness, like a writer. I've heard writers that will go into this kind of, they might build a world, they might build characters, but a lot of times they'll have this session where they just write. Yes. And they find that like it changed the direction of their book mm -hmm. because they had a plan, but then they wrote this session and it actually, wow, it's, it's actually, there's something there and it's actually better than what they planned. And so they're yes. willing to take that moment and change their work. And, and that's where a lot of people have to understand. It's like you can try to plan things, but sometimes the universe has a plan for you. <laughs> yes, yes. I always say that. And I love what you said about the flow state because you know what I do also? I also created, and this is an exercise that every, every anyone can do. It's I created a manifesto and I designed a name for my desired mode. I call it mode because that's how, how I operate. Like when I feel good and I'm at my best, I call it the flow mode, the, the hmm. flow, there's a flow mode. And then you could put names to your modes. You could have three or two. In my case, I have two. So when I'm at my best, I call it the flow, the flow mode. And here I describe the flow mode, like the manifesto of an art piece or of whatever, a song. This is the manifesto of yourself. And I describe what is the flow mode, how does it work, what are the characteristics of this flow mode that I get into. And I also describe what happens when this mode is deactivated and when I go back to my unhealthy patterns. 
And this is very helpful because you become aware of the signals that are the little things, the little traits or behaviors you do that bring you back to the old ways or new. So when you're operating in your life, you're able to see those little hints and you're able to see yourself and catch yourself when you go back to the bad habits. That's why I think this exercise of the manifesto is really, really helpful. And like habits, you know, the, the habits never disappear. They, it's like you change them, but you, it, they never disappear that they don't exist again. So it's something that we have to be aware yeah, of all there. our lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also, like for well, it's me, like the twelve-step program; it never stops. Like, like, yeah, never. You know, a lot of people think they can have something like ten steps or twelve steps, and it's done. It's like, well, you know what? If you've got an addictive personality, you're going to have to watch that for the rest of your life, and mm -hmm. it's going to be a struggle. There's going to be days that are good and days that aren't so good. Yeah, but they act like it's going to totally disappear. It's not realistic. So the idea, you know, it's like a, you know, a lot of times things ebb and flow. And so you, how do you act when things are not perfect? Like how do you mm -hmm. recover? Like a musician, like you hit the bad note. A lot of us in jazz, what we say, there are no bad notes because we learn how to recover. So the audience doesn't even know that we hit the bad note, but we exactly. know we might hit it, but we play in such a way that you, you don't even know that we hit it because we learn how to, how to roll off of it. If you learn mm -hmm. how to roll off of those things, like, like a jazz musician, like can take exactly. that and take it as an opportunity. You don't exactly. take it as like a failure. It's an opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. And the addictive personalities, I think, I don't like when people say like you're an addict your whole life. I think it's people that have more compulsive tendencies and maybe have more compulsive behaviors through life. But if you decide to change, you're able to literally press a button and start from scratch. It's not that you're going to be an addict your whole life. Mm -hmm. The old habits and the old ways, the old behaviors, you can change them and you have the power to restart and restart from you scratch. You can redirect. And yeah, build you can redirect whatever it. you want to. Mm -hmm. I think it's like you can redirect it. It's just, I think it's like you just have to be conscious that you have like a tendency that know yourself. Like if you, you're somebody that, gets triggered and you you go out and somebody triggers you and then you get into a road rage right if you know that that you get into that and you become aware of what triggers you you can start to mitigate that so it doesn't happen exactly. or, or reduce how much it happens you can you can start to know yourself know that yeah. that trigger is probably there under the surface but you can actually learn how to respond to it so you don't go off the path Exactly. And yeah, like for myself, becoming a coach taught me how to, how to live one day at a time. Like every day when I woke up, I ask myself the same question and it's every day. Like, what do I need today? What do I need right now? That's the way we say we have to know ourselves, but we are also in constant change. Every day we are feeling different. Like something happens today that I'm going to feel a little bit more down. Maybe tomorrow I'm a little bit more up, right? So the what we have to ask ourselves every day is what do I need right now and act upon what we need in that moment. You know, that's how, that's the best way to know ourselves. And the word mm -hmm. need is very important because we have to honor what we need. And <clears throat> like our society that is unhealthy by default, like we were saying, um, 
we need to be the healthier, the healthy deviant of this unhealthy society. And this is a concept that uh, Pilar Gerasimo writes about. And I love how she, how she says this. We have to be the healthy deviant to the unhealthy default society. Um, and we have to be the yeah, deviant. That makes, that makes sense. Yeah, to the system to be able to survive. Because a lot of times people think that the you know, the norm is like is is um is not the not the deviant you know like because we 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 have to actually go against that structure because a lot of times that that structure exactly. you know actually is negative right and so they like when we, we if exactly. you try to bring the light then you're actually like in in a, in, a, in the small in the small group of people when you start to actually you know say, well, why don't we be more empathetic when the crowd wants to bully, right? So the crowd yeah. wants to bully somebody, they'll go, the whole crowd will go and bully somebody. And then the one person will say, well, you shouldn't do that. The person like is in the minority saying, don't do that. So it's like exactly. the, the healthy deviant, they're saying, they, you shouldn't really bully these girls and boys, like they shouldn't do that. But like, it's easier to go with that, that flow than to go against it. And that's exactly. where, you know, it's hard to, hard to, hard to go against that wave, but yeah. I think that's what people, that's the, that's the hope that people will take their humanity and go against that wave. <laughs> mm -hmm. Also like a classic, a classic example I'm gonna give, imagine like we wanna lose weight, right? So we wanna solve this problem that we, we wanna lose weight. So the system offer us, offers us different ways to lose weight. And then we try one of those offers, like go do yoga, go to the gym, try this diet, blah, blah, blah. We try all these offers and we fail to solve this problem. So then we try another one of these offers and we fail again. And this is a cycle that keeps going until we are like these humans completely depressed and broken and frustrated, trying to reach unrealistic expectations that we are never gonna reach, you know? And then what? It's very difficult to recover from this. Uh, so like, then the pharmaceutical companies come into the game and they're like, take this to feel better. Take this to, you know, don't to don't have, so you don't have more anxiety. Uh, and then what, you know, life ends and we are just trying to fit in a world that is unhealthy by default. Well, they want to shortcut something like the pill is like the shortcut to the actual process mm -hmm. of, you know, learning how to, you know, look in the mirror, look in the looking glass, identify like that, the issue, right? Like identify that you've got imposter syndrome and identify that you've uh, kind of been, uh, you know, believing in uh, some, had some beliefs that aren't truths, right? They, somebody told you you're never going to be good enough or they told mm -hmm. you that, you know, you can't be loved. And it's yeah. like, that's not true. That's what something they, they told you and you believe it, but it's not true. You have to yeah. come to that realization that like that you are fed a story. Mm -hmm. And so you can get beyond that and you can kind of reprogram your brain. You can yes. reprogram your heart and it's not over. But then you're somebody like if you think that it's over before you even start, then you're stuck in that cycle. Yeah. And it's very difficult, you know, and that's why I created Fill the Void because like we live in these unhealthy cycles and we're always looking for easy ways way out of our problems, like taking meds that are gonna make us feel better, drinking this drink, looking at social media, hanging out with friends. But in reality, like 
what it's going to make us feel good is what you are saying that is facing the void, facing the darkness, but try to encounter this with love. Like we can be face to face with our own darkness, but like hug it, you know, like a baby and just nurture their darkness and say like, it's going to be okay, Roberta, you know, I don't hate you because we see our darkness and we start like, why I hate this. This is so bad. This is the worst. And that's only going to make it worse. And it's such a simple thing what I'm saying, but it's very hard to do. Um, that's why I make this practice where like I literally visualize the darkest parts that I have, like a beast inside me. And then I literally hug it and kiss it. And I swear, like everything changes. That just because of the feeling of hugging these uncomfortable feelings that we have inside, you know. Well, like when you start to realize that you get a little vulnerable mm -hmm. and vulnerability, I think is the key because a lot of people, they put on masks, you know, there's a lot of things, I you know, love. people talk about the mask that they create, you know, it's in society, people have a different, you know, when you go to your job, you put on this mask that you're like going to fit in the cube, you're going to fit in the box and you might not be a person that fits in that box at all, but you have to wear that mask to be in that world. And mm -hmm. then you come out into another world and you're like, you got to present a different way. So people are presenting themselves and then they lose themselves with all their masks. It's like, well, who is, exactly. who is really you? <laughs> how, how do you deal with the real you when you're putting on the show for your boss, putting on a show for your wife or your significant other, put on a show for your kids, put on the show for your friends. It's like, like how, who are, who, who is the real you? Yeah, that's why it's important to like, <laughs> yeah, that's why it's important to take our moments to be able to, I'm, it's very hard for me to meditate, to be honest, like I don't meditate often and the way I meditate is I go for a walk, like one hour or 30 minute walk mm -hmm. where I'm constantly moving my body. But in that movement, I found, I find like a certain peace and I'm able to disconnect my mind from my thoughts. You know, everyone should have these moments where they, yeah disconnect and only try to like breathe you know and come and connect to this primal state of human being because in reality we were wild men running around you know nothing of this existed we were like in reality we were created yeah. to live in caves eat berries and like go to the forest and gather food you know what's happening in the world right now is not normal for us humans <laughs> So I think it's very, very important yeah. to take these moments to like breathe and connect to the primal sensations of human beings. Yeah, there's... Tell me. Well, there's a great poet, I think Hawthorne or Longfellow, mm -hmm. that said uh, nature is the cathedral, right? So there's yes. this poet from the Victorian era that said nature is the cathedral. And I like, I live in New Hampshire, so I like, we have these big pine trees, forests, they're really beautiful they call them the pines so you go you go walk out in the pines by the river and you can kind of get rid of the noise like because if you just you listen to the river you listen to the you know the animals mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and the birds and if you get into that nature that's in that's in new england you know northeastern united states is like there is a lot of beauty in these forests there's a lot of animals there's deer there's wild turkeys there's beavers and like, you, you just get into that environment and it takes away all the pressure. You like you disconnect from your phone. You just you you don't hear the noise. You don't respond to the chat or the tweet or whatever. You just 
get out there and you, you let nature be the cathedral and it kind of heals you. There are some people who go barefoot. They kind of touch the earth because, you know, in the summer, because it's like, yeah. it makes you feel like you connect, you know? And if I think that's the way you can restore yourself. And, so, and unless you're, not, you're like, well, I don't like nature because I don't like bugs or something. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, I, I love nature. So I like go out, I go in the woods. Yeah, yeah. And I want to say a very, uh, my favorite quote of Corey Muscara that I want to share. And it says, the key is not about creating another ladder. It is about recognizing that you're already on a never-ending ladder to nowhere. And what keeps bound to cycles of suffering is an addiction to the idea that the next run will make this life less of an unpredictable, chaotic mess that inherently is. Right? Mm. Um, I really love this quote, and it finishes with spiritual freedom comes from relaxing into, into instability only when you embrace pain, sorrow, and confusion. Can it become the source of your freedom? Yeah, that's what I find is like a lot of times when I write a song, it's about something that was like a melancholy moment or sad moment, and I turn it, it's very cathartic. If I'm mm -hmm. sitting at the piano and I turn that melancholy or that sadness into a piece, it, yeah. because then it, it gets wrapped up in the sound. So mm -hmm. what was inside gets turned in these sound waves and people can hear it. And then when you yeah. hear it, you now if you ever hear people playing piano and playing, you know, uh, guitars, it's like you can very much, if you're a musician, you can turn those emotions into feelings through the notes and exactly. the frequencies of those notes connect and exactly. if you when you have when you're a musician that's your talent that's what you can do but you can do that with your voice you can exactly. do that with your words you don't have to be a musician you, you exactly. can you can still do it <laughs> exactly and also i want to share my life mantra and this i wrote it myself uh, and i find it very interesting to repeat it every day and i want to share it because it says like this i embody the role of a conductor channeling light and serving as a catalyst for generating potent and positive energy. Rather than judging or condemning my darkness, I embrace it with open arms and understanding. I nurture self-compassion that acknowledges both my strengths and weaknesses and directing my attention towards what I am capable of. I repeat this every day, every day of my life when I wake up. Because also I really believe that we can generate the energy that we want by visualizing and feeling whatever we want to feel and whatever we want to attain in life. Uh, I think visualizing is a very important practice to create this. Yeah, like an affirmation. You know, I'm a Buddhist yeah. and we, we, when we're Buddhist, we kind of chant and we have these affirmations at the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. And we kind of focus on like, what's the affirmation for the day? Well, I'm going to see the light. I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to be in the positive. Because like, if you think about the law of attraction, if you, if you are, if you don't go out so prickly, if you don't go out generating negativity, then positivity kind of, kind of come to you. But if you're like a negative actor and you're generating hostility and anger, well, you're probably going to bring that back. And that's the way we exactly. believe it's like the law of attraction. So so if you have like this mantra or affirmation that you want to be in the light, you want to be mm -hmm. in the positive, you can make that happen. Your brain and your spirit and the universe is like connected. 
and you can yes. bring the energy to you. But so, some people think, well, that's foo foo. They don't believe it. But like, if you, if you believe it, it will happen. <laughs> exactly. I think the universe is so powerful and it's not only about like the science and the, the facts that we know, there is something else. And I truly believe that like believing in or being spiritual and trying to connect with something greater, it really adds something positive and it really adds something for humans to live better, you know? And even now it's, it's really hard times. That's what I think. Like current mm -hmm. times and, and how technology is advancing with everything that's happening with AI, even social media, you know, it's so difficult. It's like we, Think about Sorry. like think about the people before in tribes or like in little neighborhoods where there wasn't even like globalization or connectivity. People were just comparing their, themselves with like the neighbors or their family. And it was so easy. Like you did something good and you were just comparing yourself with like 10 more people, even less. And now we're every day we're constantly seeing and watching social media, what everyone is doing around the world. And we're comparing ourselves with the whole planet Earth. And that is it's very overwhelming very overwhelming yes it's, it's like it's like it'll make you feel like you can't make it like now everybody's gonna be elon musk you know and everybody's yeah. gonna be Bill gates and everybody's exactly. gonna get to that level and then you have all these influencers that are telling you that like you know and it's in some of it's like you know it's ai enhanced mm -hmm. so what's real because we have this stuff now where you can you can fake images you can make images more than what they are and so what you see is not exactly the truth. It might not be the truth. And so exactly. you live in a world where people are saying, you know, AI is so big, we will replace people. Well, well, who's going to, who's going to like, like if you replace all the workers with AI, well, who's, you know, how are you going to buy anything if AI is doing everything with AI is not going to pay, buy the food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it's not going to, it's not going to do that. So, so I think some people are forgetting, you know, but there's a human element to everything. You know, as, a, yeah. as an artist, people are trying to tell me, oh, I should use AI to create my work. It's like, why would I do that when I have my piano? Yeah. Why, why would I have a computer write my music when I have a piano and a bass guitar? Why, why would I do that? I, mm -hmm. I don't see why I would do that at all. It's like, it, it takes the fun out of it. Like, exactly. now, it's like, it doesn't feel what I feel. So it can make the, it can make a song and maybe people will like it, but it's yeah. not me. Yeah, it's 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 that. So it's like if, if that's what you want to show that you can do it, that's fine. But that's not that's yeah. not a personal thing. You know, a yeah. lot of things with art is personal. You take the personal out of art. What what is it? <laughs> yeah, it's a very complicated topic, and I also feel that also, well, like social media and all of comparing ourselves with the world constantly creates a lot of hate because we are seeing so many things that we were never even prepared to see. And that creates a lot of hate in the world, in the cultures, in societies. And, and it, is very, it is very difficult. Uh, I also listened to a podcast recently that about, about Yuval talking about AI and saying how even in today's world, people are, people are very lonely. And sometimes people could establish a relationship with a, with an AI machine, you know, and just because we feel lonely, like when we establish relationship with something else, if we think and feel emotions towards that, we are even 
we can even get to think that that machine or thing has consciousness when in reality they don't. Yeah, that can, that can be very troubling, you know, because it's yeah. not to the point of it being a sentient being. And so then you're like, okay, if it's not really a sentient being that actually has its own emotions, then you're kind of getting conned. And mm-hmm. then that can be very hurtful to people who are reaching out. And, you know, there's a lot of human beings you could read out, reach out to. You don't need to reach out to AI. There's a lot of people that probably need, need people to talk to. Mm-hmm. So having people talking to machines when there's a lot of people who are lonely would maybe better talk to them. You know, like we have to start to redirect that just because we can do it doesn't mean it should be done. That's the problem exactly. with technology is sometimes it gets ahead of yes. the morality, the spirituality, the, you know, the, like why we can get beyond what, what we should think about. Like cause just because the machine can do X doesn't mean it should do X. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think some people say, well, oh, we can do it, so let it do it. I was like, well, maybe not. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it is it is very complicated, the current times that we are living, even like with the wars. Um, you know, yeah. people, we follow stories and we believe stories that have been like going on for centuries. And sometimes we don't even know if those stories are right, you know, or wrong, yeah. or People where just are go they on, coming from. If they go on automatic, you know, like there's so many things that people do without actually checking to see if it's true, right? Exactly. So you get whole nations go to war, you know, look into the history of World War One. It's like, why did that happen? It's like a few people decided to do something and affected millions of people. Mm-hmm. Why, and when, why did you need to do that just because these this small group of people decided they should do X then yeah. millions of people just followed it so there's a tendency with war sometimes to follow something without like thinking about a deeper reason like do you really need to kill another human being because of this yeah and it's like in relationship or should you think about like maybe being more yeah. <laughs> yeah even in relationships you know there's two people in in simple relationship with our partners when we're when there's two sides if both sides are trying to be right in what they're saying there's never going to be a solution like if the goal is to is to solve the problem you don't have to think that what you are saying is right or the other person is right like if the goal is to solve a problem the approach is not trying to express how right you are. Yeah. I think the problem with a lot of human beings is it comes down to like not sharing. There's like this planet has limited resources, mm-hmm. has limited space, limited water, limited food. Do you let everybody have a piece of it or do some people have more pieces than others? And if that gets down to the, the heart of almost every kind of human conflict is some groups want more than the other. Some groups aren't willing to share with the other. And mm-hmm. so it really gets down to an empathy. Shouldn't every human being on planet Earth have the right to be on planet Earth and have the right to have the resources of planet Earth? Or are some people feel that they have more rights than others. And that's really the heart of almost every single pro- conflict on that's ever been with human beings. Yeah. And some people give themselves a reason why they should have more resources than others. 
Exactly. And at the end of the day, if you're a citizen of the planet, shouldn't you have access to everything? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, very, so I think people are thinking point. more humanitarian, universal. I'm an earthling. I'm not from a nation state. I'm an earthling human being and I have a right to be here. If people mm-hmm. would think in that terms, we get to a more evolved humanity, which isn't science fiction, which I like to read a lot of science fiction talks about getting to a point where you're like, you're, you're, you're a citizen of the planet. You're a human being. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you, you unite because an alien comes, right? So then, then you're not humans aren't fighting humans because now you have to fight something else. So then suddenly yeah. you come together because yes. of something else. But like until yeah. there's something else, you keep on fighting. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's how it is. But then, but you know, it always goes by so quick. You know, we hit a lot of different topics, but I really want people to check out fillthevoid.club, and uh, that'll be fully clickable. So you'll be able to click on that link everywhere we're published and and connect with you. And maybe tell people like if they click on that link, how do they connect with you? There. Yeah, uh, you can you also go into my Instagram, which is fillthevoid.club. Uh, send me a message. There's my personal Instagram as well in, in the Fill the Void Instagram and in LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for being a guest on the Fam Electric Ghost podcast. We will publish um, beyond the live uh, podcast that was on Twitch, YouTube, and uh, Facebook. We are on almost all the other platforms. And so we provide a landing page uh, to your audience by tomorrow. And we also will give you the individual links and uh, send you an MP4. And you can clip it up however you want on your own social media as reels or whatever you want to do. But thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure having this conversation with you. And I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. I know it's nighttime here, but (laughs) (laughs) thank you.